in a world where extreme competition exists everywhere what does it take to have success in your career and in life join me nirvana chaudhary as i sit down with some of the most successful individuals to discover the secrets to the success what continues to drive them and to hear a few exclusive stories in the process what drives them and their success code their mantra for making it bigger Hello everyone I'm back again with my podcast making it bigger today I have with me a very very dear friend and probably one of the sweetest sweetest ladies I've ever met Cherry Atilano Cherry has been uh, an experience of 21 years in sustainable food systems and in inclusive agri business as an advocate of women and youth in agriculture agri technology malnutrition eradication and the responsible production and consumption for the future of food she's a multi awarded entrepreneur and ambassador on agricultural issues and moreover she's a young global leader cherry thank you so much for taking out time and coming on this my first question i ask everyone you know you're doing so many things and agriculture especially in asia is a backbone of our economies right you as an individual what is your success mantra what is it that keeps you moving forward oh thank you so much bedwin nerve for inviting me to be in your podcast uh, i'm so inspired you know listening to all the interviews i think what makes me awake or my biggest why is how do i live an impactful life every day you know i always believe that breathing is actually your music in life so what kind of music i'm dancing and i think every day i'm dancing in the music of how can i help on saving one child from hunger and dying out of malnutrition how can i save one farmer from poverty and uplift his or her lives and be connected to the chain and then as a human being of course how can i be an example or a role model to a lot of young girls or ladies out there who is continuing to survive in a male dominated industry which so happened in my case is agriculture oh, wow uh, you know impactful life again that that's the essence and the crux of how all entrepreneurs especially ygls I'm, i can i can confidently say strive for right unless something is impactful they're not going tell me cherry you know in our part of the world and i've been i've experienced this uh in nepal we had this issue of stunting right uh where the percentage of of the children that were born were not well nourished so that's why they grew up with not the proper adequate height weight and you know developed a lot of infectious diseases and all so before even they were born we were trying to address this issue Uh, to me we formulated this program called balio nepal balio means strong nepal that if we don't take care of the of the children that are going to be born today then in the future of nepal is a question mark tell me as an individual through your in- initiative and your foundation what has been that one initiative that you started which has given you the maximum joy Wow, that's uh, inspiring. You know, I I know that you're doing a lot of stuff related to malnutrition. Actually, my last visit before the pandemic in Nepal was in 2019, and I was so inspired how so many people are actually working on the nutrition. And your government actually hosted the nutrition summit of the world in Nepal, 
And I was exposed in so many places, but same problem in the Philippines, right? Um, so many people are are hungry and malnourished, and us as you know uh, entrepreneurs or people are doing impact, just trying to create our best to to solve it. I think the most um, meaningful, uh, giving me joy in in my work is really my work as a UN ambassador for nutrition where I happen to influence uh, policy making and project implementations in 65 countries all over the world. So Nepal is one, Philippines is one, and in the course of the work, I actually happened in early 2020 to visit Timor-Leste. And um, when I was in Timor-Leste as part of an impact fund I co-founded in, in Singapore somehow, uh, we were going to the farms and I met these uh, boys and girls, they're very little, and they're walking two hours just to get to school. And I asked them, um, I said, you know, a lot of them, they have orange colored hair. I thought before when you have color, all orange colored hair, you're, you're just exposed under the sun. But actually it's a number, number one sign of malnutrition. So I asked them, why these kids are so blonde, but it's like, you know, rusty orange blonde. So it's, it, it means they're malnourished. So I asked them to go to school like two hours in the morning walking and two hours after four, four hours just being in school and they don't have food in their stomach. So the most impactful thing was I immediately called, you know, uh, help from the UN headquarters in New York and UN headquarters in Bangkok to send me the, the heads of World Food Program, UNICEF in the region. And automatically, they all flew to, to Timor-Leste that day, that very day. And the following day, we happened to meet the Minister of Health and got the entire country to sign up for the UN Nutrition Program. For the longest years, for eight years, they were not part of. So for me, that was like so joyful that in a little influence that you've been in a country, you saw a problem and entirely signing up an entire country to a global movement. And right now, the benefit uh, to that, you know, that's a very simple story. And in the Philippines also, I've been working in the sector for 24 years now, Nerve. It's been like, sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm so exhausted of my own empathy, right? Sometimes like, when can we stop solving this problem? It's been like a year after year, pandemic and the pandemic, and now there's like food prices. So many people are getting hungry and they couldn't afford to buy food. And this past two years, actually, um, it's so hard to survive, especially if you're in the agriculture sector. But the most joyful moment I experience is really empowering this 200 uh, women in the slum or informal settler in Metro Manila, where most of them during the pandemic, they live in a 10 square meter house. Their kitchen is their living room and their bedroom. They don't have food on their table. Violence is so high in their household where most of these women, they want to end their life in the middle of 2020. They want just to end it, you know, and just get peace. And I so happen to be there to, you know, to give food uh, to their children. And right now, we have an urban farm that is around 5,000 square meters. It's quite big for an informal settling area. We train 200 women uh, to grow their own food. And this year, we are actually launching a kitchen to feed 300 children every day out of malnutrition. So 
I am a strong believer that no matter how much money you have in the world or how much, you know, a comforts you have at home, going out of your comfort zone is pure joy. And especially if you really see tangible impact and felt impact from people who have nothing and convert that people to be the most compassionate and empathetic people also. So right now, all these women are recruiting more women and also like saving more kids from dying out of malnutrition. So for me, every morning it's like, I think I'm doing something good that, you know, keeps me alive and keeps me awake, right? So it's just so nice to feel. <laughs> oh, Cherry, this is, this is so amazing to hear, you know, 24 years. I thought you are 24 years old. I'm just joking. You look 24, <laughs> but my God, 24 years doing this at the UN global policy level, which has such strong impact in all these countries, going to the grassroots level, doing this, you know, please, you know that we have a small little uh, health uh, resort in Philippines. If we can do anything there for training the women in agriculture, doing that, please let me know. On another topic, right, tell me private sector. I, I don't see much engagement from the private sector. At the end of the day, whatever goods are produced by the agricultural farmers or, or the agro industry are consumed or bought by the private sector. And I don't see any private sector intervention. You know, I don't see any private sector involvement. I mean, I'm generalizing it, but not as much as it should be, the backward integration of it. Uh, and I always try to find out why. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, the agricultural industry is very subsidized and it's very, you know, at the government level. And I'm like, probably, you know, they want to do this probably tomorrow to even get votes for the elections and all. How are you seeing new age private sector companies, you know, using technology to help the agricultural sector grow? Um, I think Nerv, no, our country, Nepal and Philippines are not like distant in terms of our problem and agri-tech or even we will not go far in that, just supply chain and logistics. And the third one is really for the private sector commitment on buying and sourcing local. Of course, a lot of us were like, we chose to import a lot of our raw materials, for example, for private sector needs. But in the Philippines, um, I'm a strong advocate that if we realize how to utilize our 12 million hectares of underproductive land, and you know we have so much rain in the Philippines, we have perfect sunshine, there's just a need of commitment for market to sustain the growth and the production of the smallholder farmers. And another one, um, I think the country needs a lot of investments so the private sector can bring investments that could progress the technologies because there are so many technologies if we say like agri-tech it can be on farm you know how to really increase production by a simple drip irrigation system infrastructure drying of rice in a most efficient way not putting the rice on the road that when a truck would would you know go and step on the rice these are all broken rice and then another one is on off farm we can have a lot of development in terms of supply chain and logistics. That alone uh, is a massive shift to cut the trading system shorter and to cut the food loss and food waste massively. There is so much food waste and food loss along the way because there's no perfect you know, agri-technology, like even refrigerated tracking system that could bring the produce of the farmers to the consumers. So... But then, you know, it's not easy because money is necessary and bringing these technologies from different parts of the world is, is key. And another one, I guess, is um, there must be a collaboration between the private sector and the public sector. 
For example, in research and development, we should not need to reinvent the wheel. We have so many universities and colleges in agriculture. For example, in my country, you have 74 of them that are just focusing on agriculture. But when you go to them, they don't have funding for R&D. So what can you do, right? So we have so much potential in harnessing the R&D research and development by utilizing these academes in doing that. And then the private sector commitment to commercialize because sometimes the scientists cannot commercialize the technology. It's just like a different kind of brain to do that. But if there's a private sector commitment to commit that this scientific work will be commercialized, adapted by farmers or even the consumers and the people in the supply chain, there will be a leapfrogging effect in really making agriculture sexier, you know, and more glamorous and impactful. <laughs> Cherry, I think I think you're like an encyclopedia on this industry. I really hope one day you become the minister for agriculture, uh, if not at the global level, doing something you know from a platform like UN Agro and all of that. My last and a very short uh, answer I need: Who's your mentor, and in one line, why? My mentor actually is my mom because my mom said that. Wherever you are, whatever field you want to pursue, just always remember to connect the shortest distance in life. That's the distance between your brain and your heart. If you don't know that, that distance, forget about being successful because success doesn't matter if you are not significant and if you're not relevant and if you're not building something that creates changes in the society. Wow. Sherry, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I've, I've learned so much from the podcast that I've done. I have not learned as much as I've learned from you on a particular sector, right? I, I myself, I've been so, um, you know, trying to engage myself on what I need to do. I think just from this talk we've had, I have a clarity on, okay, what all do I need to start working on? So thank you so much, Sherry, for taking our time. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you and I, and I really hope to see you soon. Welcome you to Nepal or come and see you in Philippines. Thank you so much, Sherry. Yeah, thank you very much, Nirvana. And continue inspiring the world by really amplifying voices of people in your network.